I'm Scott Cooper, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, Justin Chesham of Christopher Newport University Men's Soccer and I welcome Brett Teach, head coach of Mount St. Mary's University Men's Soccer, Mike Callahan, Men's Soccer Assistant Coach at George Mason University, and Lucas Paulini, Assistant at Virginia Commonwealth University Men's Soccer. They were kind enough to all come on the podcast together to share their thoughts on recruiting, college soccer, and reflect on their time together at VCU. There's a ton of useful information, as is always the case when coaches are given the opportunity to chat about what they do. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast, so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Golly, has, uh, has Bruner checked in yet? Has Aaron checked in, started yeah. working? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's here. Uh, the running, getting after it? Yeah. Yeah, hitting the ground running, getting after it. Uh, you guys probably saw he took on a role with VDA as well. So, uh, yeah. What what exactly is that? Like, what's that role? I got to find me one of those yeah. jobs. <laughs> I uh, I haven't talked to him about it yet, but the I guess the official title is like director of coach education. I think. Um, so, yeah, not not exactly sure what it entails, but no, I'm with you. I gotta gotta find myself one of those jobs too. Whew. Yeah, that's that's exciting coming over, winning the national title, and uh, you know he's from yeah. Virginia, so he knows the area really well. It's a, I thought it was a great hire. Uh, I thought it was a smart move. Yeah, no, I think I think he can really <clears throat> get it going. Um, it's like it's the same as we felt when we we took over here a year and a half ago. Is that it's it's just a program with a lot of potential. So I think I think he's got the same mindset about it. You know that even though it's been down for for a couple of years now, um, just a lot, you know, has a lot to offer. And, and, uh, I mean, Aaron, he's, he's done well everywhere he's gone. So mm-hmm. I think he'll, I think he'll get it going. Yeah. Did you work together in Richmond some? Weren't you together there? We did. We worked side by side at, at that point. Um, Richmond United boys and girls were operating pretty independently. So, I mean, really, like other than the name, we weren't working that closely together. Um, it was starting to get a little more collaborative around the time that actually we both left. Uh, I mean, we were just starting to do a little bit more together, you know, really trying to, to bridge the, the gap between the boys and the girls program. Um, but you know, and then and then the other thing I worked with Aaron on a little bit was the under twenty threes because that was he always managed that program for uh, for both the boys and the girls. Um, so when I was coaching for the under twenty threes for the last two years, we were you know in some capacity working together, but never never really like on the field, you know, side by side, anything like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's great. And then. Yeah. Uh, so teach, man, you, you've been there. How long you been there now? A month? You on a month yet? Depends on how you count it. Um, I took the job back right after Thanksgiving, um, but I didn't start officially until the 1st of January. 
So um, obviously I started working right away, but had to finish up the obligations with VCU and, you know, both the recruiting side and just, you know, you've been somewhere 14 years. There are things you've kind of handled that you have to help others get ready for. Lucas Lucas can talk a little bit about that too because he's kind of probably inheriting more of what I used to do. So, yeah, but things are good. We, we've, uh, you know, obviously done a lot of recruiting. <laughs> so yeah. That's kind of been our number one thing is trying to get, you know, like I said, it's kind of in three phases for us. You have the, the portal and mid-year transfers. You have the 24s, and you got to really start and get going with 25. So it's kind of been an interesting, you know, really almost three separate ways to recruit because we brought seven in a mid-year. Um, we'll bring another 10 to 12 in in the fall. And then obviously we got to start 25 recruiting already. So it's kind of a unique situation based on the portal. And then also just where we were here, um, we needed reinforcements. So. Now, when you, when you jumped over there, did you let go of a lot of kids or did it, was it pretty empty when you got there? I mean, what, uh, what did it look like when you arrived and what was like your first couple decisions with the team that you had there in place? I really didn't let anybody go yet. Um, you know, I, I just told them, you know, look, you didn't choose to play for me. You know, I wasn't able to recruit any of you. So I just think it's a wait and see approach. Let's work together this spring and see what it looks like. There were some guys that went in the portal, um, mainly grad transfer types that wanted another experience for last year. Um, but yeah, we, we just basically, we, we had about 20, three or so returning, 22 returning that had eligibility left. And so we're all just going into the spring kind of with an open mind, see what happens. Um, then we added seven. I brought two from VCU with me, um, guys that wanted to go in the portal. And so it worked out that they came with me. Um, and then most of the other guys are not portal guys. They're guys that, you know, were either available or doing a, doing a gap year or whatever. So, Right. The other four or five guys were guys that we kind of just found. One we were looking at at VCU, and we just didn't need the position. And uh, Lucas, of all people, he's on the call, but Lucas kind of set me up with the kid as an Argentinian kid. So that's how we got him. And so, you know, it's just, again, three silos. You got to get the immediate kids right away, and then we got to start filling in with guys, you know, for the future. So that's kind of what we've done for the last, really since the day I took the job. Uh, we couldn't announce it for a week um, because my old boss was out of town. He wanted to be there when we told the players and he wanted to make sure to connect with the recruits and all that kind of stuff. So we just had sure. to make sure that we did that the right way. Now, both you and Callie, you guys took over programs, you know, Brett right away, Callie a couple of years ago, um, both programs, you know, needed a jump start and uh, kind of who wants to jump in first on what does that normally look like? You know, what's your thought process going in? You know, Brett, you kind of touched on that a little bit there. But, you know, I'm just trying to paint a picture for the kids when they're looking at this and they're saying, all right, a new coaching staff is coming in. This is what that normally looks like. You know, I mean, you see it all the time. You know, Brett, you just touched on how you, you've already added seven guys. You're going to look to add more. And that's going to give you either a huge roster or you're going to let go of some of them. And, you know, Callie, same same question back at you. I mean, what did it look like when you guys checked in? What was your process with the guys that were already there and moving forward, what you wanted to do? Well, I'll take the first bit, then Callie, you have it. I've done it seven times. So I've, I've taken over seven different programs in my career. Right. So uh, it's a little, you know, I have a little bit, you know, in, in every case, a little bit different. 
but every program I've taken over was in a situation where the season prior was disappointing for whatever reason. And the coach moved on. Right. Um, and so I think the, the immediacy of it for me is always about, you know, I hate to put some buzzword now there by culture, but it really is the truth. You've got to start to create what you want to look like, you know, what you want the daily habits to be. What do you want the style of play to be? What do you want your typical student athlete to look like? And I don't mean necessarily, uh, even talent wise, just what do you want? You know, and, and so you got to have a blueprint in mind. And so you begin right away with the blueprint and you begin to, to start amassing uh, information on people, both recruits and, uh, and guys that are there. And like I told everybody, every recruit I've spoken to, I said, look, you'll never have a better opportunity to earn time because it's a complete blank slate with me. And, and you earn what you get. There's never been a better time to earn financial aid because, again, I didn't recruit a single player outside of the two that are coming with VCU. I didn't recruit a single player on this roster. Every player that was here already was here. So I didn't go watch you. I didn't evaluate. You didn't get to know you. didn't meet your families. And so no matter what's happened, good or bad in the past, doesn't matter. So that's kind of how you begin. And then you, uh, I like to just make it such a tough environment that they they start to kind of gel together and maybe don't like me at first. I don't really care about that. What I'm more concerned about is is they understand what it's like to fight together and to battle and to compete because that's the first thing you have to do to be good. You have to be able to fight for each other. And then comes, you know, can you work defensively to do some things? And finally, are you good enough on the ball? And so that was kind of what I would put in as my two cents worth. Nice. Yeah, there's um, I think one is difference um, from uh, Brad, what you were talking about at, at the front end about um, coming in for the spring season. You know, is that we were we were coming in, you know, in July and August, and so we we really had no time to to start bringing in new players, um, no time to to evaluate the the full picture, um, you know, before we were in the, you know, in the championship season. So that, that created some challenges in itself, but uh, what, what I would say the the same was like, we met with every player and, you know, every player kind of heard the same message, you know, that, that you have an opportunity here to prove yourself. Um, again, similar to, to Brad, your experience with coming into teams that had not been, uh, performing that well, ours was the same. You know, it'd been a, a team that hadn't won, uh, I think, more than two games for, for three years or something. And so, you know, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of excitement to it that, hey, we can we can really start uh, start building on this, start improving on this. Um, and then, yeah, the, the biggest thing for, for us was from day one was trying to, trying to raise the standards of, you know, what, what we are expecting from the players on a daily basis, you know, even from the the most simple things of, you know, showing up on time, wearing the right thing, you know, just uh, trying to trying to really build a, a professional environment that, you know, guys that top guys really want to be a part of. Um, and then, you know, the as every college coach knows, as I've learned now for for two years, um, the fall is is a grind, and so we were we were in this grind. We had this really interesting challenge of being in the grind with a team that, that we hadn't recruited, you know? And so 
that was, um, yeah, there were some, some challenges within that, you know, um, players that maybe had expectations that were set from the previous staff, um, for, for them from, you know, maybe it's playing time, maybe it's, uh, something, something else, but, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely, uh, uh, one of the bigger challenges was going right into the fall season, um, in a situation like that. Um, but, you know, again, like we had some, some amazing guys, you know, who we felt really, really stepped up in a, in a tough spot, you know, and really started to show or started, uh, you know, as, as Brett, you described, like started to paint the picture of what, what we wanted a George Mason player to look like, you know, and those guys now, you know, those guys that are still with us from, from that first year are, are some of the, the most rock solid from a, from a culture standpoint, from, you know, what we're, what we're looking for from the team on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. It's, it's such an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, I'm going back five years, I took over a program, but I, I was there, I was there for 12 years, 13 years. There was a foundation in place. Uh, I knew all those kids. I'd recruited all those kids. And so it was just kind of keeping the train rolling. I, I'm different than coach Shaw was. So I made some changes, but, uh, you know, it, it, the foundation was there. And realistically, guys, you, you know, your two programs, you know, Mike, do you feel like you've got a foundation yet? I know, Brett, you, you haven't even had practice yet, probably. But, but Mike, I mean, do you feel like your team foundation is set? And now you're like, all right, this is kind of who we are. We figured it out. That's not an overnight thing. You can say whatever you want, of course, but the boys got to buy in. It takes time. And yeah, uh, you got to start winning games and you got to start, you know, recruiting certain types of kids and building what you want. That takes that takes years. Do you feel like you've gotten there now and you're like, all right, this is who we are. Now we're going to add a couple pieces here rather than building, you know, big pieces. Yeah. We're looking just to add a couple here and there and just keep the train rolling. How long did it take that took you guys? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's funny because we, we just had our first spring practice of this season and the difference between this practice and 12 months ago and our first spring practice last year is dramatically different like and I I remember as a as a coaching staff we came into that first spring practice last year and we're again you know some of these some of these bare minimums from a from a standard standpoint were were missing and today we actually we were really optimistic about just how we were hitting the ground running you know guys knew what was expected of them coming into a training session, you know, the type of energy we want to have, the type of intensity we want to have. And, and we just go in and, and we're focusing on the things we want to focus on. So I don't know, you know, it's still for, for sure, uh, you know, a, a work in progress from that, that point, from a foundational standpoint, but that was, that was great to see. And it, and it felt good to walk away from the session today with like, all right, we're, we're definitely, farther along that path than we were 12 months ago uh, that that makes that makes perfect sense uh yeah uh teach have you guys started training yeah we started this morning as well um we actually went outside at eight so it was uh not the warmest session i've ever been a part of <laughs> i think it was 18 when we started but quite frankly it was fine uh you know the advantage i guess that i would say we've had is that they've known me now what I was going to expect for six weeks, five weeks. So it's, it's been, I've been, I've been telling what it was going to be like, you know, I, I, one of the things I like to do is I like to put out training sessions before we even do them. So they know what we're going to do. They know what the, so we always post in the locker room. I told them at our team meeting, our opening meeting, these are the rosters this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to be. 
um, to make it as organized as possible so they understand really can focus on the things that we talked about. And I gave them two or three training objectives pre-training. And then uh, my assistant and I were just evaluating the video now. Um, and so, you know, we're fortunate that we have a turf field, so we're able to train kind of no matter what. Um, so that was positive. But my first look, but a third of the roster is new. So it's really more now just about learning the guys, learning, okay, who are going to be the guys that can successfully play the way I want to play. Um, and those who can't, don't. Um, Lucas, I know Lucas on the call too. He kind of did this as a player with me back in 2007 because I took a team over in 07 and Lucas was in my first roster. Then he did it again in 2010 at VCU because he came with me for his senior year. So he's actually been through it as a player twice. Might be interesting to get his perspective on yeah. you know, two startups with a new coach. Yeah, take take it over, Lucas. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because it's very true that uh, you as a player, I guess, when you come into a program or, or into for me it was a different country, different culture, different everything. I didn't know what to expect, uh, and it's so important to, to set the standards early. I think with with Coach Teach and uh, I was at Division Two school in Tennessee and. I think the standards were set right away. It was a program that needed some uh, some reshuffling of, of values and what's, what was important for the program and kind of who we were at that time. And I think Teach did a great job at helping us understand what what was about and how how I get how to get to what we needed to get. And I think we, you know, one of the things that he put a lot of emphasis in, and I'm sure if he's going to be the same way at his new school, is mental toughness. You know, what it takes to really not just be good, but also push you through. You know the last five minutes of the game. What's gonna What's gonna make you a team more than just a good group of individuals and talented players? And I think, um, as as a, as a player that comes from a different culture and a different way of viewing things, you know, like small things that you might think is not important, like showing up on time or you know not cutting corners when you do an extra lap. Things like that were very important for him, and it really it started to set the culture for that team. That was my my initial impression when I first got to the states and. And Coach Teach was the was the head coach there. And then when I transferred to VCU and came along with, with Fred, he was the assistant, which also changed the dynamics a little bit of of from a player's perspective. Uh, because although he was the head coach for was my head coach for three years, then he was the assistant, and obviously his his imprint was still part big part of, of who we were as a team. Uh, but maybe the level was a little bit different, so the requirements for for players were a little bit different. In my case, it. It helped me a lot to play Division Two for three years before I transferred to Division One, uh, and it helped me be very successful when I when I was a player at VCU. But you know, just just I just the small differences that the, each coach has. I think when you say coaches and staff, we will say that the team is always a reflection of the staff, and it's just just not just one person, not just the head coach. I think it's a reflection of the staff and the and the way they train and the way they carry themselves and the way they behave off the field and and how they play. And and I think both. Both places were similar but different in some of the ways that, that I just expressed, but uh, but good in many ways and it helped me helped me be the player that I am and, and it also shaped me the way that I like my teams to play and how I like to coach. So what what is your like what is your message to a senior when you've taken over a program, a high school kid? So these kids are looking to go somewhere, they've reached out. What's your message to those kids when you've first taken over a program? So so Callie, your message a couple of years ago, teacher message now, like what, what are you telling specifically high school kids that are reaching out and you're a brand new coach at a brand at a new place? 
You want me to, I'll, I'll take this one uh, first. Sure. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the biggest message is, is trying to, you know, inspire the, the feelings in the recruits. Um, this, the same ones that we have about the excitement and optimism of being a part or, or having the opportunity to be a part of, of putting a program, you know, back on the map or on the map, you know, and, and being a part of something special. And I think, you know, again, with what the recruiting landscape looks like now, you know, your question was more directed towards, an, a, you know, a graduating high school senior from from the U.S. Like the message to that kid might be dramatically different than it is, you know, to, uh, I don't know, you know, a, a kid who's transferring, um, you know, as a junior or or an international player, you know, they might be very different messages. But I think for the for the uh, uh, I would I would say what what stays consistent across the board is that wanting wanting them to feel the same way that we do that we guys look we have amazing facilities we have a fantastic school you know we have we have one of the best public you know universities in Virginia I mean so much better than VCU you know it's not even close like and uh, <laughs> Go on, I wish you could see, I wish you could see me smiling but uh, hopefully you can hear me smiling when I say that. Um, but you know yeah, you that, that we from our staff, Callie. <laughs> All three of us were on staff together at VCU, so we'll just we'll go ahead and preface it well, there. Yeah, that was a start. Careful. And I'm forever grateful, guys. I'm forever grateful. Um, no, but but you guys get the point. Like that that we felt we we have so much to offer as a as a school, and that you know we just we need to get the right people on the bus and. Um, and, and that if we do, it can be something really special. And in VCU, you know, all, all jokes aside, VCU has, has been this great example since, since you guys took over, uh, teach of, you know, a mid-major that can do a, amazing things. You know, if you get in there and, and start creating the culture and start building the, um, the right environment. And so that's, that's what we're so excited about because it can be, it can be really special. And, you know, we want, what our hope at, at Mason is, is that kids can look past, okay, if they go look at the results over the past few years, they're not going to be impressed, right? They're going to be like, oh, this team, well, what's, what's been going on there? Um, and so our, our hope is that they, you know, can, can look past that and see the same, you know, the same opportunity that, that we feel is there as a coaching staff. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna, sorry, go ahead, Touch. Go ahead. I was just going to add a couple pieces again, just coming from a, a startup type thing where, where again, unfortunately in college soccer or college sports in general, you are what your record says you are. And so oh, we had a tough, tough record last year, two years ago, VCU, we won three games. So until you prove that wrong, that's who you are. And so the message we give, it's more about what type of student will be successful here. Um, and again, we're not a 30,000 student university with 18,000 women or a 2,500 uh, student university um, in a great location, but it is, it is kind of out in the middle of, of a nowhere area. We're not urban like Mason or like VCU, but we're close to Frederick. We're close to D. We're close to everything. So we're looking for kids who want that experience first and foremost. And we just tell them flat out, look, you come here to get a great degree and to be in the most professional environment that we can create. And we want most of our players, their dream and their ambition is to be a pro. And we don't waste much time with guys that they're not, because quite frankly, the guys that are looking for the 
you know, University of Tennessee, University of South Carolina type experience, they're not going to be happy here. And so we try to eliminate that in that process. So I think it's like, like Mike said, you do want to capture that momentum because that's the nice thing about a coaching change, right? There's a momentum period. Um, but more importantly, you have one chance to make a first impression and that's that first group. And so you got to make sure your messaging is clear and then you bring the right type of kids who fit what you want ultimately. And you don't take, or at least I don't take risks on kids, even if they're really talented, I don't think quite fit the culture of what I want because ultimately they'll be in the portal a year from now and we're all dealing with that stuff again. So for me, it's much more important that we get the right kids um, who are bought into the same things that I want and that understand the mission of the school and, and fit again, the mission of the school and are ready, are ready just to get going and want opportunity. So that's kind of what we talk about, but that's also truth. That's what I want. It's not just to get players here. That's actually what I want. And I'll want that, you know, if I'm still coaching 15 years from now, that's what I'll want, you know, because I think you always have to match the mission of school to the dreams and desires of the player. Because without that, I think you end up with 3000 kids in the portal. Lucas, you had something there? No, I was obviously I agree with both. Um, I was going to add much more besides the fact that I think it's the me- about the message. It's just, I agree with Kyle. It's different to from kid to kid, and I think it's just I think the most important part is to be to really understand what what drives them. Each player is a little bit different. They come from different environments, um, so to really understand what the players' needs are and where they're coming from, and what what's going to drive them to push through be part of the culture and something bigger than just just a soccer team. And the second piece that I think is important too is they need to understand who you are and what the expectations are right away. Like who you are as a person, as a coach, as a staff, what the culture is about. And that ties on to like what Brett was saying about the culture of the team. And if they don't fit into that, I don't think it matters how much, how talented they are, or where they come from. I think if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. Right. I want to shift gears a little bit if you guys don't mind, since you guys are all club people as well. Um, you know, Teach, you were coaching with the Richmond Kickers for such a long – how long were you there? It's the whole time you were with uh, VCU? Um, I was I was with the Strikers the first couple of years, and I moved to the Kickers. I, my, the way I ended up with the Strikers is I had worked with uh, Bob Jenkins when he was a U18 national team coach. I was one of his cronies. I wouldn't say assistants, but I was on his staff, usually at region camp. Cali actually played back in those days. Mm-hmm. I remember Cali from region camp. Yeah. Um, but, and so I knew Bob and he was like one of three people I knew in Richmond. And so, and the, and ironically, the other person that I knew was the, the, the leader of the staff we were replacing because, you know, many, many years before that, he had offered me a grad assistantship at university of Richmond. So mm-hmm. those were the only people I really knew. And so I knew Bob was a great coach, a great guy. So I, I, uh, I went to work with him, but, a 45 minute drive from my house every night was too much. So then I moved to the kickers cause it was 20 minutes from my house. And, uh, and so, yeah, 12 years, I think is what it, what it ended. I'm actually my 90 days. Cause you get a 90 day little grace period. You can work with them. And my 90 days ends after the VDA showcase. That's my oh, 90 okay. days. And that would be the end of my kickers time. So um, you'll be, you'll be coaching the kickers that weekend. Kind of. That's I'll, great. I'll be advising. Yeah. I'll be advising. I think Ronnie's Ronnie's going to coach them. Ronnie Pascal is going to coach him because he's probably taking the group next year. So that's great. And Lucas, you're uh what's your, you're still with FC Richmond, correct? What's your role there? 
Yes, I am. So I do a little bit of everything, to be honest. We started the uh, futsal program back up after COVID. I also coach a U17 team. Um, I do U23s in the summer. And I'm also the, I guess, the college recruiter coordinator or uh, I don't know what the title is, but I help kids both on the men and uh, women's side to, to be recruited. Perfect. And then, Callie, you were with uh, Richmond United. How, how long were you with Richmond United before you took the Mason uh, job? Five years. Yeah. So I um, I started out in the uh, in the U12 and U13 Academy ages. Uh, that was when the Development Academy still existed. Um, and I did I did three years in those younger ages, 12s and 13s, and then oh no, sorry, I did two years in those ages, and I did three years with the uh, 17s and 19s. Um, uh, and then, yeah, when the when the DA folded, we made the transition to ECNL here in the Mid Atlantic. Um, and uh, but yeah, five five years overall. So, uh, Callahan, do you have any college coaching experience before you came over to, to Mason? Yeah, so I I joined the VCU staff as a volunteer for one year. So that was in 2021, or it was. Yeah. Spring of spring of 20. Right after, no, fall of yeah. Fall of 21, spring of 22. Um that year before uh before <clears throat> I took the job at Mason. So I I have a question specifically sure. for you. I mean, it's it's it goes for everybody too, but uh since you're um 3 years now as a college coach and you were on the other side, uh well, compare compare them. I mean, uh, what what's your what what has changed? What is your mind different with any of this? Do you look at that and you're thinking, wow, if I would have known what I know now, this is how I would have addressed, uh, you know, my guys at RU, you know, talk about that a little bit, just uh, how, how it's just so different being in the two different worlds. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's an incredibly different world. I, you know, a couple, a couple of aspects, I think, um, you know, are probably the biggest difference. One is the college season you know, you are in this three month sprint to try to compete and win a championship. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's no time within the season for, Hey, we've got this. I mean, it's so rare. You actually have a full week of training, you know, so you're, you're much more in this environment of we, we play every three or four days. We are scouting the upcoming opponent. We're uh, preparing, trying to improve from our last game from a tactical perspective and boom, we got to move on and prepare everything to try to win the next game, you know, versus where in the in the academy environment with the with the 17s and 19s, you know, we really have a much more. Um, uh, obviously, our season is eight, nine months um, spread out over the course of that time and and a lot more, I would say, training time where it can really be focused more on the individual player development. Um, what I would say from, you know, now, now being in the college environment for a year and a half um, and looking back on my time coaching those, those age groups right before they, they go on to college is I think I would, <clears throat> I would try to try to push harder to get them in, in environments and like create games for us where we're playing against older players because I think that's that's the the hardest jump for players going from U19 uh, ECNL or or MLS Next um, or or whatever you know any any under 19 into the college game is that now they're playing against men you know like uh, whatever we all are seeing a lot of the players who are coming into the college environment the 
the 30 year old on uh what what is it um franklin franklin pierce the 30 year old playing there <laughs> um but yeah it's a it's a massive it's a massive jump so i think what i would what i would try to do more of as a as a u17 u19 coach is try to find those games you know play upl upsl teams like push really hard to try to get those games into our schedule to try to challenge those players more because everywhere you know everywhere in the world you know the the best the best youth players are getting pushed earlier when they're ready to play against men. And so if we want, if we want to give our, our young American players the best chance possible to, to be ready to have success when they go into college, you know, we got to try to try to help prepare them more, you know, push them more into environments where they compete against uh, older players, more experienced players, um, but still in meaningful games. And that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. And I'm not jealous of the, of the youth club directors that they have this challenge is, is trying to find those games because, it can be so hit or miss. Like you, you might go and say, Hey, we got this great UPSL game against a team with a bunch of men, but then you show up and these guys, you know, they're not fit or they're not, you know, they're not, it's not a meaningful game. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's, it's a big challenge for youth directors to keep trying to find those, those ways to, uh, to create those challenges for their, uh, you know, for their sophomores, juniors and seniors. Um, and then a big, a big responsibility falls on the, on the coaches of those oldest age groups, like Lukey, I mean, how lucky are those U seventeen uh, FC Richmond players right now? You know, Brad Teach. I mean, how lucky were those uh, under nineteen Richmond kickers players to have you guys as as coaches? Because you know the intensity that mm-hmm. it takes to succeed at the college level. You know what they're about to go into, and so you you have. I mean, they are they are so fortunate to then feel this intensity coming from you guys. You know, so that when they do step into their first practice at VCU or Mount St. Mary's or George Mason, it's not a, it's not a shock. You know, they, they are, they are more ready for it. The intensity that comes from the coaching staff, you know, the speed of play that's, that's coming at them. Um, so I think a, a big responsibility for, for that is, uh, is falling on the coaches as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Brett, what are your thoughts on that? You know the comparison between uh you know going from from uh from high school to college and just the big jump I mean Callahan touched on it there for sure but uh you know what what are your thoughts well, I think I'm gonna quote my old boss well, all three of our old bosses um Dave Gifford he always would say to people look you have to quit thinking of this as the jump from you know the next step from club soccer to college soccer it's not it's a step below USL championship and MLS. And so I think the perspective so many kids have is that it's just the next thing. You know, it's like U17 to U19, no big deal. You know, this year I coached both the U17 and U19 kickers teams. And so the jump from U17 to U19 is massive. Mm. And it's not close to what the jump from U19 to college soccer is. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really critically important that, you know, that coaches that are working with kids in those age groups you have to demand more. You have to demand that, that, you know, that even if they're good enough to get away with what they do in their level, it's still not going to be enough when they come into an environment where, quite frankly, you know, you have 20 guys that can do the same thing, 25 guys, and they're going to all compete. And it's going to come down to who, who understands the role the best, who can function the quickest and who can play. And I think that what happens, one of the things that I, the last, like, since we kind of took over the U19 age group at the kickers, 
that's been kind of my goal is to build a group that at least understood the demands, understood what it was like to be in a system, how to function within the system, you know, what your job was, what your roles were, you know, and I think we were pretty successful in putting players into college. I think this year we have nine or 10 commitments from the group and, uh, and then I have 10 juniors or nine juniors. So it's, uh, you know, two thirds of the rosters going to play in college. And so and it's not because of me, especially or anything like that. It's just because hopefully in training, even if they were better than all the other players, there was still a demand that they, they perform. And, uh, and then quite fat, quite honestly, the last couple of teams I've had, we had three or four kids that were great at setting a standard. It's nothing like having players help set the standard, you know, because that's the best teams, the best teams, the players begin to set the standard. The coach becomes, I say the coach becomes a tour guide when a team becomes good enough. So I've been fortunate the last two years I, I had, in fact, all three of the kids I'm referring to are all going to VCU next year. And their kids are just, they set a standard in training every day. And, uh, and honestly, some days it was more intense than uh, a few of our college practices were. So that was really good. But that was my experience. It's just not enough demand uh, for execution. And I think that's where I, I spent a lot of my time with. Wasn't it perfect, but at least the demands were right. Lucas, you have anything for that? Yeah, I mean, I think there are three three big pieces, and they uh, Kali touched on one of them, which is the first one. I think meaningful games. I think it's it's a big one uh, when 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 players are ready to move up and play up. I think that's something that needs to happen more often. I was watching a game yesterday. Uh, I'm here in Argentina recruiting, and I watch a game where with guys that were trying to make the transition to college between I don't know they were between 18 and 22 years old trying to make the jump to to college soccer and. Uh, we played against teams of, of made up of players of 16, 17 year olds who had experience already playing with the first team and training with them and being in that environment in preseason. So I think meaningful games, um, you know, meaningful games and, and players move up when they're ready is number one. I think the training environment is two. And I think Coach Teach talked about it. I don't think college, um, you know, club coaches do enough to create, recreate the game, uh, the college soccer game in, in terms of time and space. I think this. There's more to do there. And then the last piece, and, and I think they need to do more. I think some of the, the players, and I see in my club a lot, but I'm sure it happens all across the states, is they just, you know, three times a week, an hour and a half is not enough. And most of these kids really don't do much more besides that. And, and to be honest, it's, they're, already, they're already playing catch-up. You know, they are 16, 17 years old. Um, for the last five or six years, they've only been training four hours and a half a, a week. And it's not enough. And I think it's, uh, it's no more just games because I think they play, they play plenty of games. They've had a super difficult fall with my team between private school boys and public school boys and I think we probably had 10 or 12 meaningful sessions, training sessions, but they probably had 30-something games, 40-something games in four months and a half. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense and, and this spring will be no different, you know, with public school boys playing, playing soccer in high school and you know, tournaments with three or four games in two days, like that just doesn't make any sense, you know. They set you up, sets you sets you back from what really a training session looks like and you don't really get much time to train. So so I think those three pieces are massive, massive, massive for youth development in the country. Yeah, I think Callahan, you touched on something that uh you know I'd like to elaborate on. You talked about how, you know, how tough it is in the fall, how just fast everything goes. It's go, go, go. Uh you check in. Once once you're in the meat of your season, you're having two games a week, probably. Most of us do. Uh, for us in Division Three, a lot of times it's a Wednesday, Saturday. I think you guys, maybe it's more Thursday, Sunday. E either way, it's a kind, of, kind of the same spacing. So, you know, I tell kids all the time, 
Monday is a normal practice day, and that's your only practice day of the week that's normal because the next day is a pregame practice where you're going to go very light. You're going to go shorter. You're going to just install the plan for the next day. You're going to focus on the guys that are going to play, and that's not a normal practice day. The bottom half of the roster may not get much that day. The next day, you're playing a game. Bottom half of the roster isn't even going to get on the field. Uh, Thursday, post-game practice, where the upper half of the roster is recovering. They're you know, maybe doing some film work. Uh, you know, They're definitely not going hard in training, where now you're going to put some focus on the bottom half at training, but uh, it's a post-game. And then you move right back into a Friday, which is a pre-game training session, where you're now focusing on the next team, installing that game plan. Your focus is back on the top guys that are going to give you the most, the most minutes. And then Saturday, you play again. And then Sunday, you're off, where now you've only, if you're a player on the bottom half, you've had Monday to train and maybe Thursday to get after it with the other guys that may not have played that much. And that's that's what it's like. I mean, we're, we're in the business of winning, and that's that's what it's like for that go time. It is really difficult. And, you know, to your point, Callahan, I mean, it's it, it is so difficult for these kids to come in and play right away. It just is. Even at our level at Division Three, you guys are Division One coaches. It is even hard for a kid to come in as a freshman and play. You've never been fit enough to play college soccer. You've uh, never played fast enough. Uh, you've never played against men like you've mentioned, Callie. You've never played against them, you know, full time. I'm sure you've, from time to time, maybe you jump in adult league, but a full time, you're playing against older people like that. And you know, you never, of course, been out of your household. You've been underneath your parents' roof, and you've had this certain structure a whole life. I mean, it is such a a shock to the system for freshmen when they come in. And I think all three of your programs bring the guys in pretty early so they can start that adjustment. I wish we could do the same. Um, and when, when do you guys all check in your specifically your freshmen, but when do all of your guys check in before you start up? I think this year it's around the eighth, seventh or eighth. Cause the first games or whatever that Thursday is ours is the 22nd. So I think we're allowed. What is it? Four, Teen, you're on so many days. You're allowed in early, right? Seventh or eighth, we're in, and then we start training. I think it's fourteen training day opportunities or whatever. Is that, is that what you guys yeah, got, Callie? It's about it's about that, and um, yeah, to that point, that's where getting the guys. I mean, it's you know, of course, it's they they're on their own coming back in a in an optional capacity, but hopefully inspiring the, the leadership right. of the team, the the older guys that they all get together back on campus, you know, five, six weeks before that, you know, and really start pushing each other. Cause um, you know, obviously there's, there's a ton of, there's a ton of really good uh, summer environments. They can go play in different teams and, and get games and get really good uh, competitive coaching and, and stay fit and everything, but they're all doing it in their own separate environments, you know, with no more than five guys in, in one team. And so, that's where, um, you know, at least our, our hope is that we kind of inspire that from within, that the guys want to come back, want to start getting together, want to start um, training together on their own in that five, six weeks leading up to the season. I'm sure it's the same, you know, no different for, for you guys, right, Lukey and, and Teach. Yeah. Yeah, no, no different. No different. I think the way we look at the summer is a little bit different maybe where – we try to sort of see who are the players that will play the most games and minutes in the fall and sort of find them environments where where they're not going to be super busy and playing plenty of minutes or plenty of games. So when they come in the fall, they're a little more fresh. That would be the only thing to add, but no different. We're in the 6th this, uh, this, uh, of August, and we hope that our players, for the most part, 
I've been in training with our strength and conditioning coach for at least two weeks. I, uh, I'm curious how you guys handle um, players, so a, a specific kind of player. So we all have guys on our roster that we may have huge plans for, but maybe they didn't get a big chunk early in their career. Just, you know, you brought in a great player, but he's behind you know, a, a big-time starter. He's going to have to wait his turn. No injury happened. The kid did great, you know, so he didn't need to play the younger kid. But that kid comes in your office. He's upset. He wanted to play more. The transfer portal is such a beast now. These kids can easily just hop in and find a new home, you know, in, in a week. What, what's your message to that kid? You know, you had plans for him. You obviously talked to him in the front end. You're sure you were honest about telling them, like, hey, look, this kid's ahead of you. It's your job after that. But he's still upset. I mean, you know, Coach Shaw used to say it all the time to us. If you give a kid a spot, he's going to expect to play. And that's, that's fair. I mean, I get it. And even though if you're honest with the kid, it doesn't matter. So that kid comes in your office. He's upset. I wanted to play more. I'm thinking about entering the portal. What, what are you telling that kid? You know, I think, um, you know, we've we've gone through it both when I was at VCU and, and of course, we'll go through it here. For me, I really think that as a coach, you can do a lot on the front end if they feel continuous development. I think when you start to lose kids to the portal is when they feel like that they're not developing. For whatever reason, they're stagnating. And, whether, and again, whether playing or not playing, even guys who play a lot, they tend to leave when they feel like they're stagnating for whatever reason. So I think it's really critically important that you have open communication all the time, not just at the end of the year when they're upset, but all throughout the year. Um, you know, I know when Michael was with us at, at VCU and when Lucas and I were together, we would meet with our younger players all the time. We just pull them in every couple of weeks to say, how you doing? Here's what we see. Here's what you're doing well. Uh, and then we did a lot of training sessions where maybe the guys who had played a lot the night before, um, you know, they, they were off or not training, recovering. I think you just, they have to feel, number one, valued. Number two, they have to feel like they're continuously developing, getting better. And number three, they have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And those things, if you lose any of those, you, you're probably going to lose a kid in some way. And so we try really hard, and I'll try very hard here through, through me and, Bo, and my staff, to constantly let them know, what they're doing well, where they can improve. We watch video all the time. You know, like we video it. The last couple of years of VC, we videoed every practice. We bring kids in all the time. We're doing the same thing here. Um, and I just think information, communication, they understand their value. You see their plan. Um, and in the end, you know, if they still choose to move on, they were just always going to. But my experience has been over, this is my 36th year, is that if the kid feels like, that he's valued number one by the coach, but that he has a value within the group. They'll, they'll tend to stick it out as long as there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, at VCU, we very rarely lost people to the, to, to the portal. It was only right. this year that we lost a few. And that was more because we had, honestly, our roster was really large. And so guys just saying, okay, I don't see a way in. Um, and so they, they left, you know, but other than that, I think, Luke and, and probably Callie the whole time they were there. I bet we didn't lose more than one or two. You know, I mean, total, not a year, total. Right. Yeah. I think one of the biggest pieces that, that we put a lot of emphasis in is we, we never, well, first of all, I think we, we say you, uh, it's never your turn, right? We, we don't tell kids after this guy leaves, this is your job. I and mean, because at the end of the day, I don't think they're competing against each other. I think it's more they're competing against the level. So if, if my left back right now is, is doing very well and is playing well, 
it doesn't mean that when he leaves, the next guy is up. It means that he needs to be ready to play at the level it's required for, for the league, for, for the tournament. And if it's, if, if it's not, we're going to recruit over him. So I think, like to Brett's point, it's a continuous development that ties a player to the school and to, to the program. And as soon as you lose that and you make empty promises, that's when you start to lose kids to a portal. Um, and you, it's difficult to fill empty promises. So as long as you don't promise kids anything and, and, and you compete to a level and they feel you know, loved and continuous development, um, they, they, they just don't leave for the portal. And that's why I think this year has been very successful with that over the, over the last few years. And this year has been a little bit different, but our, loss, our roster was large, but also many of the kids that are transferring were, were, were you know, out of state walk on. So school is getting expensive too and finding ways to, to help the parents afford that is, is, is what made this happen for us this year. But Yeah, I think, um, I think that's one of the biggest, the biggest challenges and, and teach you said it really well, you know, it's, it's, if the, if the player feels that they are developing and, and that they're growing as a player and a person like they're, you know, they're going to be way more likely to stay. Um, but the, and, and the biggest challenge within that, and, and we all know this, like in these critical ages of 18 to 22, like what do they need to develop as players? It's matches, right? And so that's, that's a huge challenge and a huge credit to, uh, you know, to you guys at, at VCU, like how you, you manage that situation, right? And manage that. So like you were saying, you're meeting individually, you're doing individual work with the players, you're finding ways to still stimulate them um, so that they are growing and that they are developing. Um, and that's, that's one of these like interesting inherent challenges of college soccer is that roster size, like there can be reasons for carrying a 35, 40 man roster that are outside of the realm of like, Hey, this is what's best for the development of the players at that age. Right. Whether it's based on your budget, whether it's based on what the, what the school wants, you know, yada, yada, yada. There's, there's many reasons. Um, because like, like I said, in reality, if we say, hey, what's, what's really best for each one of these players, like it's probably going to be that they're playing matches on some level, you know. And so that's where, you know, like, like you said, it's those individual meetings, extra supplemental work with the players, like whatever, whatever we, and, and that's a huge objective of our staff too, is like, we want to show the players like all the time, like our door is open. We'll do extra work with you guys. We're going to, you know, video, go out to the fields, extra stuff, because I know I'd be going insane if I'm a 19, 20 year old and I'm not getting games, right? Like I'd be going nuts. And so like, how, how are you, how are, how are we as, as the coaches managing those situations and still finding ways to help those players improve, you know, and, and the, you know, Lukey, you you used the phrase light at light at the end of the tunnel. Um, or maybe it was teach actually, I can't remember. One of you said it, right? The light at the end of the tunnel. And that's really, really important too. Like showing the players that there is a pathway for you to be a contributing player in these meaningful games. Um, But uh, yeah, that's amazing, amazing point. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And a huge, a huge challenge for, for all college coaches. And then the other piece that we do at VCU is the spring is so big for them. For those players, maybe period. 15 through through 30 through 35 we schedule games in the spring where it's a two game per day so uh, when people say you don't you know we don't have a chance or we couldn't show ourselves throughout the year uh, you have five games in the spring where, where these players will compete against 
you know, good caliber teams and, and they get to measure themselves against yeah. them. And that gives you a really tangible way to look at that. So for those for those players, you know, after year two, they'll have 10, 10 college games under the belt. Yeah. You know, so that's another way that we use that for, for those for those players. How big are your uh, how big are your rosters going to be in the fall? Uh, we'll be between 30 and 40 somewhere, probably mid mid range there, 33 to 35. Um, one of the things that I like is I like to be able to play 11 aside in the spring. Um, so if you have 26, you're most likely losing a group of eight. Now, unless you're a big portal guy, you're going to have 19. Uh, you name name a basketball team in the world that never plays 5v5 in practice at some point. Right. You know, you can't because you need to be able to do that. So I've always preferred larger rosters anyway. Um, maybe not 40 like we had this year, you know, at VCU. Um, and I've had other places larger rosters. But we'll be, I'm guessing 34, 35 probably would be about right. And I would think that'll be the same way going forward for us. Yeah, I think we'll probably be, we were at, 29 this past fall um uh, we'll probably stay in the like 28 to 32 range um you know somewhere in there exactly you know same as same as uh brett is saying i mean that's i've never thought about it that actually comparing it to basketball like how crazy that sounds if you're like yeah you can't play 5v5 in your basketball practice like but how many how many colleges are dealing with that in the in the spring is it's so true, um, you know, and how important that is too for for the players to to keep improving. Um, but yeah, we we kind of we want to operate in that that probably you know upper twenties range because um, it's it's also we don't want to have to be like inventing roles for players on the team, you know, like for guy. 36, 37, 38, like, man, that is, that is a big challenge to, to find and not saying you can't do it. You can do it. Find a, find a role, a meaningful role for every player, but he's going to be sitting out in 11 v 11 when you're at your full capacity, you know, you're going to have a lot of guys sitting out, you know, in that, in that space, you know, every, a lot of, a lot of colleges are dealing with that. So, you know, again, just back to the point of like keeping the players, engaged stimulating stimulated feeling feeling like they are they are improving like as as much as possible we don't we don't want to have sorry about that it's my uh, my security there letting us, letting us go. but uh yeah so we you know that's that's kind of why we we like to operate more in that 27 to 30 range lucas what are you guys going to be at yeah, so we are thirty-one right now. Thirty, thirty-one. We'll be at thirty-six for the same reasons that, that Brett mentioned, uh, and for probably to, to have to be able to do eleven aside in the spring and have double date, you know, play two games in one date uh, for those guys, fifteen through thirty. Yeah, yeah, I get that quite a bit in the recruiting process. You know, the Division Three world, our rosters tend to be a little bit bigger than the Division One. Uh, we're actually going to be they're about the same size as you guys uh maybe a couple more here and there but you know callahan i think you you're spot on you need to ask the coach you need to ask him like well why is it you're at that size and uh i've heard of administrations saying no you have to stop it you know 28 or 29 or whatever it is and i've heard of some administrations saying i need to go bring in as many kids as you possibly can because we have to fill the school you know like that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize you know like we, we played against somebody that had almost 60 guys on their roster 
and their coach was instructed, go get as many kids as you possibly can. And, you know, like you just have to ask those questions, you know, for, for us, we don't cut anybody, you know, so you'll see, I've got a, everybody in the, you know, everybody on this panel and everybody in the country has a bottom of the roster. And we've told those guys, you're talking about honesty, teach when you're talking to these players, we've told those guys, you know, we, we don't see you guys playing and uh, they, they've been given the opportunity to leave and they've decided not to, they love the place they wanted to stay. And so we, we honor that and we give them the chance to prove us wrong. And uh, you know, it, we always just tell kids roster size really is going to be dictated by your position. You know, like right now I desperately need defenders, you know, so it doesn't matter if I have 90 guys on my roster, I only have three defenders total on my roster. And so, you know, if you're a defender, it doesn't matter what my roster size is. I have three. There's a spot to play day one, possibly as a new guy. And if you come in and you're the second new guy, you might win the job and start right away as well. So, you know, I, the advice we always give kids is just make sure you continue to ask these coaches. You know, they're going to give you the reason. Dig through the rosters, ask them questions. They're going to be honest with you in the front end. And uh, you'll get a lot of details that way for sure. Yeah, um, you guys have a few more minutes. I got a couple of questions real quick. Yeah, I got to I got to jump off uh, at, at three fifteen. Okay. Um, this is uh, so I met you guys uh, at the VDA, uh, I guess ID uh, tournament or uh, camp or whatever it was, whatever the official title was. Um, but uh, I wanted to get your guys' opinions on. You know, some of the better questions, we, we recorded a Q&A for that camp. And um, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what some of the better questions that you've gotten from recruits through the years um, that, that really impressed you, that could tell, that made you realize that they'd done their homework and that they were truly interested in, in coming to play for you at your, wherever you guys were at that point. I think always when they understand a little bit about, you know, who you played, how you played, you know, uh, you understand the difference between VCU, Mount St. Mary's, uh, Christopher Newport, you know, George Mason. You understand that each of these programs are a little bit different, not only in, in where they're located and all that, but also in how they play. You know, I, I see so many guys – will talk to me about, oh, I think I can play the way you guys play, but they've never once seen us play. So I think somebody that says, look, I've seen you guys play. I know you you, you love to be on the ball. You know, uh, this is what I want to do. And so a little bit of knowledge about the program and then a little bit of understanding of our roster. I said, you know, I, you, know uh, you have, you know, two or three guys, you know, in midfield that are, are seniors. Um you know, I know two of them were pretty pivotal. Again, a knowledge. I guess I go back to a knowledge of what we're doing, because again, that shows you that they've taken the time to to watch an ESP plus, ESPN Plus or whatever. Because games are so accessible now at our level that you can find them if you want to. Um, and I know so many teams. You know, I, I whenever I wanted to watch, you know, your team, Justin, or I wanted to watch Mary Wash, just go on the website and there's going to be a link and you can watch the guys play. So. I think just doing a little bit of research and then asking questions that actually pertain to that university or that program or the recall of a moment in the game. Hey, you know, that build up, you know, I, I had so many after we played Marshall at VCU this past fall, I probably had eight to 10 recruits that we were at VCU engaged with at the time who watched the game because obviously Marshall was number one in the country. And then 
one of the clubs in town brought their team to the game. So we had 600 kids happened to be from, from kickers that time. And so the amount of questions, intelligent questions I got about the game, about how we played, what we did, whatever, were, were really good. And then you'll hear them say something else about, well, those team, because the team was, you know, for instance, Cali's team this year was honestly one of the better teams we played this year. Um, but, you know, they didn't have great success early on. So the record wasn't as good. But if you watched them, I mean, we won the game this year, but we probably had 40% of the ball in the game. And so, you know, most guys just see the results and they say, hey, you're better than that team. Or they're, you know what I mean? And so I just think a little bit of understanding and homework on their part really impresses me all the time. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with, with that more. Um, just also because, like, we're coaches, we, we believe in our teams, like, we, we play a certain way because, you know, it's probably something we, we believe about the game and we love about the game. And so we, we want players who are excited to, to play that way as well, you know. And it's like we've, I'm sure we've all had seen stories of, of players who've, gone to programs that haven't been a fit from the style of play and so it's just like we we want as much as like we want to be excited about um talented players you know and and when we watch them recruiting it's like it's probably so i mean i know for me coming into the college environment it's one of my favorite things now it's like i just get to go watch games and try to watch good players and and that's really fun and you know but but it's the same on the other way right like like as teach you're talking about like we want kids to be excited about the way that we're playing and, and the way that we're doing things because we want it to be a fit and and you nailed it on the head it's just such a such an indicator of like this kid's really serious about it you know he's not just He's not just talking the talk. He's really, he's really, you know, putting the time in. And I think for for the American, the, the traditional American recruits, like stuff like that is more important than ever because, like, like Lukey's over in Argentina recruiting right now. You know, Brett Teach, like you say, you gotta trying to bring in guys who can can kind of start helping turn the corner right away on the portal. You know, Rich and I were just in in Spain last week, right? We're there, there's there's access to higher higher level players, or I would say older, more experienced players than than ever before. And so, if you really want to make a difference for yourself as as the 17, 18 year old coming up through the ECNL, MLS Next, um, regional leagues, all national leagues, all these all these things, like you've got to take the time to watch the games, get to know the programs. Like, um, you know, Brad, like you said, when they really, you know, you can tell they really took their time to get to know what you're doing and how you're doing it and maybe have interesting questions about why, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Like it sends a really strong message that this kid is going to be invested in, in the program, you know, and like we've already talked about, it's incredibly difficult for freshmen to earn playing time right away with with the 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 quality of the players that are coming into college right now so that that tells us like hey this kid even if he doesn't have playing time hey he's still he's still gonna be really really invested in the team you know this is a guy who who cares about what he does and and he's gonna uh, you know go go the extra mile to to try to help help the cause yeah lucas you have anything to add there I know that that's kind of your role at FC Richmond, right? Is to yeah, uh, so yeah, basically, get... basically what we try to get at Rich, uh, FC Richmond, what we try to get across is 
really understanding what type of player what, what type of player they are. You know, I think the two things we mentioned they were very valuable. Some research on the school, research on how they play, and you know, interesting questions about style of play. And I think the next one is really understand what type of player each 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 of them is to to really ask questions. How can you improve me as a player, and where can you get me? You know, I really like those questions because I think what it does it just gives you a little bit of an insight of, of a player who is who wants to be challenged, who wants to push the boundaries. Uh, and I think most of the kids nowadays they look at it the other way, right? They look at it, I, like Brett said, you know, I can I think I can help your program without even looking at how your program plays. You know, I think I can help your midfield, or I can do this, and I think I can help your your team do this or play this way. And I think it's more the opposite: is what can you do, and how can you help me as a player improve and and you know reach my ceiling? I like those questions a lot. Um, but it really comes it starts with the player understanding how they how they play, what type of people, what type of person they are, what type of player they are. Uh, and I think it starts there. And I like those questions. It just gives me an insight of what, you know, how hard and what they need to do when they're with me to get to where I think that player can get. Good. Um, Scott, one other thing I would add to this, because I just thought of when Luke was talking. Um, when I first started coaching, I, I worked with a guy probably – pretty famous in the business guy named Ralph Lundy. And he was down at College of Charleston for years and years and ran camps. And one of the things he, he taught me very early as a young coach was if you listen closely enough, kids will tell you their intentions with their questions. So you can see the angle they're coming from. You can see what their thoughts are about your program simply by the questions they ask, you know? And so it was really, I thought a poignant statement at that point that, you know, 36 years later, we had a kid in today and uh, and we were talking about after he left. It's like, yeah, you know, he seemed kind of blah about his interests and this and that. And we'll kind of move on because simply didn't seem interested, you know, and I think he is. But, you know, you worry about those things. So I think it's really critically important for young people to understand that everything that you say, everything you put on social media, whatever, we're going to see, we're going to hear. And then we're going to make value judgments on. And most of the time, we're pretty accurate, I would guess. You know, I working with Lucas and, and Mike as much as I have, and Jesus program wouldn't be what it was if he wasn't good at that. You know, you you read, you read clues, you, you know, and, and sometimes you don't even mean to. So I think really understand that what you're putting, are you putting out what you want people to see with your questions, with your social media, with everything. So that would be the one thing I added to that. Yeah, I mean, it's your time, it's your money. You know, for the most part, your money. I got a few guys on full rides, but majority of you guys are not, you know, getting any money for this or very little. So it's your time and your money. And so really the, the question for us is, were you prepared or not? Do you know about the academic side, the size of the school, um, you know, other than the soccer part, of course, and, you know, it's either you're prepared or not. There's nothing worse than talking to a kid and he's basically sitting there looking at you and just like, all right, recruit me. You know, it's like, ah, man, there's, there's gotta be more to it there. And uh, so coming prepared is massive. You know, these guys touched on all of that. So I just wanted to emphasize that. Um, the last thing I'll ask, I know you guys need to bounce, but, um, I just wanted to get your guys take on the value of ID camps and I get a lot of feedback on that and questions and, and that sort of thing. So I just wanted to get each of your opinions on why those are important and, you know, how you should approach those as a recruit and what you should hope to, to take away from them. I'll, I'll take the first one, and I'll, I'll jump off quickly. I think they're hugely valuable. 
Um, and I, and, and honestly, I'm kind of borrowing the model we had at VCU where we basically, it was just us. So the guys coming were very interested in us. We wanted to see them every now and then we'd bring another outside coach in, but not very often. And, uh, and you know, we would within the legal limits, allow our guys to be involved. And I think you had a really good picture of how they would fit in with your group. Um, I, I, where I have a little bit more trouble with these bigger, like I was explaining this to one of my club guys the other day when we were talking and he was looking at a, one of the larger ones that has like 20, 30 schools there, 40 schools. So the problem with that is even though there's a large group of coaches, you're only going to see a few players. And so quite frankly, if I, and, and then, and then, then they say, okay, we're going to rotate you. So all these different coaches can see it. So I may get, if I go to do a three hour session somewhere, the first hour and a half is us running training sessions. You're going to see three groups and, and for 20 minutes each, 30 minutes each. And honestly, that's 80 kids. And I, I'm not going to remember those names, mm-hmm. you know, unless a kid just really stands out, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to remember them. And then you go and like, okay, well, that kid was in your group. Well, was he? You know, and so I think the reality is, is that you're much better off picking a few schools that you like, looking if they have other schools that you like working there, going there, because it is a big bang for buck. I mean, it's the only legal way to try out in Division One, really, quite frankly. I, I think the I think it's hugely valuable. Um, and, you know, and again, some places use a moneymaker. I get it. For, for me, it's always been let's put them in our environment. Let's see what they have. Let's see how they do. And, and let's see how they interact with our guys. So for me, they're gigantically important. Yeah. <clears throat> and very similar for us on, on the, the way we run our ID camps. It's just our staff. You know, we, we really shoot for kind of the same number of players at each ID camp that we would have in any training session. And then we run them through, you know, exactly as Teach said, you know, training sessions that are, that are really going to give them a feel for what it's like in our environment. Um, one one thing I would say, because I just came across this recently, and I would say this to like every, you know, U17, U19 player is prioritize your club games first. Like I, it was so funny. I was at a big ID camp and I knew this youth club had big, big league games going on that day. And I saw three kids from that club team at the ID camp. And I know them. And I was like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> I was like, don't you have a game today? And they're like, oh, yeah, but, uh, you know, we wanted to do the, the camp and this and that. So I, I called the head coach of this club team later. And now also having just come from the youth environment, I could empathize, empathize with this, this frustration, you know, because I want, we want players that are committed to the, to the team, right? So I called this youth coach later and I said, hey, you know, how'd the game go? I saw a couple of your guys. And he was like, one of them didn't even communicate with him that he was missing the game. You know, so and what kind of message does that tell me? Like, uh, no chance. Like he is crossed off the list. Zero chance we will ever recruit him at George Mason, you know. And so I would say that. And and here's the caveat, the asterisk that I would put on it is that there is a situation where the ID camp can make sense to miss your game. And for me, that that case is like this school is genuinely very, very interested in you. They want you to come to their ID camp because it's an environment, as, as Brett Teach and I are describing here, it's an environment where you're really going to get this unique experience of, of their training sessions being on campus, and they're genuinely recruiting you. And so this is what I used to always do as, as the U17, U19 coach, is I would say, well, let me call the coach. Like, 
I will, I will tell you, like, if this is worth your time to go to this ID camp, and if not, like, you need to be there for your team. You need to be there for your teammates. And I talked to this, this club coach that I was, this story I told recently, like, they lost the game 2-1 in a big league game. And again, it's, it's a youth league game, right? Okay, you can say so what, but at the end of the day, like, like we've all been saying here, we're trying to recruit players that are going to be fully invested in the team when they get to college. And, you know, that we, we want to see that now with the players, with their youth team. So I would say one, I would, I would say, um, you know, the, the youth coaches out there and the youth directors like really should be emphasizing this point with, with their players. And then the coaches need to be proactive to support them on that, you know, because, like you said, some of these camps are money makers, and they're trying to get 150 kids to their camp, and they're going to tell you, whatever, like, hey, we really want to see you there. But just with a quick phone call, you know, to get get somebody on the staff, um, you can probably find out pretty quickly, like, hey, is this is this pretty pretty important that this kid comes to the camp, you know, or is this more this generic kind of, hey, come so we can pump our pump our numbers a little bit more, you know, and and I've had cases like. I would say they were more on the more often they were on the latter of what I described, you know, that it's like, Hey, it, you know, no, it's okay. We'll see him another time. But I had a, I had a case where it was like, no, we, we like, we really want to see this kid on campus. We're almost treating it like a visit, you know, like a, like an official visit. And, and in that case, like, yeah, go, go for it. You know, but I would say, I, I don't know. I feel I, that one, that one strikes a chord with me. And I, I think it's a really important message that the players hear. Lucas, you want to add to that? No, I wouldn't have much more than that. I think they touched on all the points. I would have, I would agree hundred percent with both of them. Yeah, I want to add one thing. Uh, you know, I've gone to, uh, I can't tell you how many club ID camps and we're, I, I'm contemplating not going anymore for the reasons that you guys are talking about right now. Uh, a lot of these kids are saying like, oh, well, CNU is going to be that at my camp. I don't need to go to theirs. And uh, fair, like there, there's nothing wrong with that basic thinking, but I, I don't have the control. You're not in my environment. I'm, I'm not able to do the things that I want to do because it's a different camp. And then you know, the commitment to come and be at our place to show like, hey, I am extremely interested in you, not just, oh, well, you're coming to me. Cool. You know, so uh, one of the things we're doing, and I, I think we're spacing out a little bit, but we're we're starting to shy away from all of those those individual camps because we want you at ours. We want you in our environment. We want you on our campus. I mean, they are visits. We've paired up with William and Mary because we're very similar. They're high, high academic. We're not too far behind. We're both state schools. We are recruiting the same type of kid for the most part. So we've paired up and we want you down here. We want you to see our place. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a visit. And I, I, I can't emphasize how valuable an ID camp is at our place. It's so much more than if I was to go to Mason's ID and watch a couple kids. I still want you to now turn around and come to mine. And uh, I just I think there's so much value there. Fair point, Cheese. Um, and just to get back to Mike's point, um, you know, you called their those three kids their club coach. I mean, the point's been made many times that, you know, you guys are a tight-knit network as college coaches, and um, everybody kind of knows each other. So um, as a recruit, they should know that somebody's always watching and you guys are always yeah. talking to each other. <laughs> For sure. So. Um, 
So yeah, we've uh, gone well over an hour here. So um, I just wanted to uh, thank you guys. Um, hopefully, this won't be the last time you guys come on. Um, I, there's a lot to uh, a lot of stories there. I'm sure we could we could kind of get to as well. So yeah, especially um, the three of us being on the same staff for a year. <laughs> oh man, good times, good times. I was also thinking 36 years. There's probably a lot of stories as well. Oh so, yeah, there are. Yeah. So anyway. Um, I'm going to get you guys out of here. I really, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, enjoy the recruiting season and getting your guys' uh, spring season started. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank thank you. you. All right. See you guys. Lucas, fly, brother. Thank you. See you soon. See you soon, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Match Play. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on Matchplay. Play recruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.